Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass stands a real blade of grass. Be careful as you pass. Move along, move along. Come inside, the show's about to start. Guaranteed to blow your head apart. Dog Talk with Dave McMahon on News Talk 610 CKTV. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the show. How are you tonight? My name's Dave, and I'm glad you're here with us. Uh, Welcome to Dog Talk on 610 CKTB. We will be broadcasting till 8 p.m., and we always have a lot of fun on the Dog Talk radio show. You know, I was thinking uh, I've never, ever in my life uh, gave blood. How about you, producer Greg Campagna? Have you ever gave blood? I can positively say I have not given blood. You've never given blood no. at a clinic and you don't decide to go donate blood, no? I don't think so, unless I, you know, fainted afterwards <laughs> and don't remember. But I'm fine with drawing blood. I'm, I'm okay with it. I haven't donated, though. I should. But you would give blood, though. It's not that you're opposed to it. No, I, I would definitely do it, yeah. Now, if you look at the size of me compared to the size of you, I, I obviously have a lot more blood than you, I'm thinking. <laughs> and the question is, would they take a lot more blood from me? Because I could sustain that, you know? I, I don't know. There's a lot of unanswered questions with that. So if you give blood, I'm, I'll be fine. I'll be... <laughs> The reserve is there. (laughs) Exactly. I'll never run low. (laughs) You got it. You got it. You know, there's a lot of uh, people that take their dogs in to donate blood. And there's a lot of folks that are doing it more and more today. And there's a lot of people that are unaware that there is a blood bank for animals. And we're going to talk about giving blood and how uh, you can take your dog to uh, to a, a blood donor clinic. And we're going to talk about the Canadian Animal Blood Bank. And uh, with us to tell us more about it is Mary Robinson. Mary is the Donor Recruitment Director for the Canadian Animal Blood Bank. Good evening to you, Mary. Hi there. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Hey, it's our pleasure. You know, as I stated at the top of the show, I, I've never given blood, uh, but certainly I would. And uh, and I and I think that uh, Greg, I don't think Greg will have to because I've got enough to give for, for him <laughs> and I. <laughs> well, I make my dog Danny donate for me because I kind of sort of have my blood pressures too low. So I understand completely. Wow. You know, a lot of people aren't aware uh, that there is such an organization as the Canadian Animal Blood Bank. So I'm I'm excited to have you on the program, and I'm I'm uh, thrilled that you're going to educate us and tell us all about the uh, the Canadian Animal Blood Bank. Thanks. When when yeah. did it begin? So we've been around uh, almost 25 years. Actually, next year will be our 25th anniversary. Congratulations. Happy anniversary. Thanks. Yeah, it's pretty great. Um, So how it started is um, a a veterinarian named Dr. Ken Mould attended a transfusion seminar 25-plus years ago. And uh, he's he's located in Winnipeg, Manitoba, and he's like, well, why don't we have something like this in Manitoba? 
So he went back and he started asking around because back in the day, how it would work was if a dog needed a transfusion, we didn't know much about their blood types and most, what would most likely happen is you'd call in a staff dog and you'd draw some blood from them and then you'd immediately transfuse into the recipient dog. But he decided to, you know, find, he's like, why don't we have one? So he decided to get one going. So it literally started out as one clinic a month. We'd collect about four units and we'd ship them uh, locally within Winnipeg. And then gradually it just kept growing and we started to get more people finding out about the program and more clinics wanted to be involved and more clinics discovered us and and started purchasing blood products from us and so on and so on. And so now we actually are located in almost, well, quite a few provinces and we ship blood from coast to coast. Um, It's pretty interesting. Our head office is still in Winnipeg, but uh, that's, that's what we do. Now, I became aware of uh, of the uh, Canadian Animal Blood Bank when I saw that you had a booth set up at the Niagara Pet Expo at the Scotiabank Convention Center in Niagara Falls. Yes. Yeah. Are you going to be there again this year? I believe so. Yes, I'm. Uh, I'm not quite sure yet, but I'm. I'm almost positive that we will. We had a really great um, feedback, and the Niagara SPCA is fabulous. They let us um, utilize their mobile unit. There's yeah. certain when we're when you're in this industry, in the veterinary industry, we have a lot of regulations and stuff that we have to follow. So we have to always be. Um, in the same building as a, a licensed veterinarian. Uh, it's just in case something happens. I mean, it's it's very, very rare that there's ever a complication, but uh, some things do happen, and we have to, you know, be there, and uh, they've been great. They've uh, allowed us to tag team with them and have uh, have our uh, have a donation site set up inside their mobile unit, so they're wonderful. That's awesome. Yes. So, so how much blood are you actually taking? So we actually take, believe it or not, the same amount as you take from a human being. We actually use the exact same bags as the uh, human size. The company Maco Pharma that produces them for uh, CBS, Canadian Blood Services, right. they've been fabulous to us. And um, they, they're leukodepleted bags. So what that means is um, we actually filter out the whole blood and it removes all of the white blood cells. And what, by doing that, we're actually increasing the safety of the blood product because that's typically what an animal or a human by for that matter, will have a, a reaction to in a blood transfusion. So, uh, so quantity-wise, though, how much is that quantity? Because oh, I don't even know how much it is for a human. What, what is that? Is that like a yeah, liter? Exactly two cups. Yeah, it's it's, two? Oh, it's by weight. Yeah, we have to. It has to do, uh, and the the reason we take that volume, it has to do with the ratio of anticoagulant to blood. If there's too much anticoagulant in the blood, you could cause serious damage to the recipient. So, 450 grams is the perfect amount of, of a balance of the anticoagulant to blood ratio. And this is regardless of the dog's size. So that's why we have uh, some donor criteria. So uh, that volume is safe for a 55-pound dog to donate. And um, so any of our donors have to be above 55 pounds. That's lean body weight. If they're overweight at all, we um, we have to defer them until they're to their appropriate weight. And if they fall below that 55-pound criteria, then unfortunately they can't donate. Right, right. So these are are these lab technicians that are taking the blood? I mean, you mentioned that a veterinarian has to be, you know, on the premises, I believe you said that. Correct. 
Um, we are called registered veterinary technicians, yes. and um, I, I'm usually myself or Jessica here in Ontario are usually the ones that uh, do the venipuncture, um, and it's taken from the jugular vein. Um, the the veterinarians are you, you know they're like just if I have any questions or whatever they're normally in the building, but um, yeah, it, it's actually most times believe it or not a lot of people are unaware of this, but most times uh, vet techs are actually the ones that do. Probably the vast majority of the venipuncture in a veterinary practice. The veterinarians just kind of hand. We're the nurses of the vet world. Yes, is, is now, that what we are. Now the veterinary technologists; those are the ones that have gone to uh, to college for the three-year program. Correct? correct. Yes, my program was two years, and I went to school in Winnipeg. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah. And so, how long? I mean, how long does it take to to extract the blood? I mean, it would vary as to how cooperative the dog is, or. Yes, sounds correct. Yeah. So the appointment times usually range from 20 to 30 minutes. It just depends on the person doing the clinics. Um, I'm, I am able to do them in 20 minutes. Jessica's um, usually around a half an hour. And believe it or not, what actually takes the longest is the paperwork portion. So when the dog and the owner come in, um, what we do is the first thing is we get them on the scale just to confirm that their weight is appropriate. And then we'll pull a pre-sample. So if anybody who's ever donated blood themselves, if you've ever donated it, we've actually modeled it very similarly to what you would experience at CBS. So we pull a pre-sample and we start running that. And what we take uh, do with that sample is we test for pack cell volume and total proteins levels. And it's just basically to see if they have enough red blood cells and if they're dehydrated or not. We have a minimum and maximum criteria for those numbers. And if anything is... Uh, uh, not normal, the dog does not donate that way. We never, ever want to put a dog in jeopardy just to, for a unit of blood. Mm-hmm. Um, we also ask a series of health-related questions. Um, just Can you give me an example make... of what some of those questions would be? Sure, yeah. If they're healthy and well, what sort of medications they're on, because certain medications and disease conditions can defer a dog from donating temporarily or permanently. Um, we also ask them if they've had any ill effects from their last donation, um, if they've been exposed to any tick-borne disease, uh, ticks at all, uh, fights or bites with any species, because, you know, um, diseases are, are, again, a concern. And believe it or not, uh, if they've had dental work in the past couple of weeks, uh, their vaccinations in the past 30 days, and acupuncture, believe it or not, um, that can actually cause a vagal episode in a dog if they, uh, it means they'll pass out. Um, wow, that's crazy. Within the, the past 48 hours. So those questions are asked, and then, of course, their pictures get taken, and these guys are all very famous on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. <laughs> right on. <laughs> and then, um, if all is well, then we lift them up onto the table and they're placed onto their side. The owner is with them the whole time if they're comfortable because some people do not like the sight of needles or blood. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And they're instructed on how to hold their head a certain way. And then there's someone that's holding their body a certain way. And what this is doing is stabilizing and elongating the jugular vein. It's like a little hammock, if, and it's very difficult to, um, to get the, the needle in if it's not just sort of set a certain way. I will shave a small area on the neck, and I'll clean it with surgical prep solution, and then I'll insert the needle, and the collection itself is only about five minutes. It's the other stuff, like I said, that takes the longest. Yeah. Now, when I've gone for blood work myself... Right. And they're taking blood from the uh, so not donating blood, but just go for blood work. Right. 
You know, yes. I'm at that age where you got to go for blood work, yes. do your physicals, and keep up with everything, and they'll check my sugar and liver and everything. Uh, sometimes, depending on the uh, the technician or whatever term it is, uh, the individual taking the blood, sometimes you know they they take a couple of stabs at it. So what I'm wondering is, with dogs, are you getting it pretty pretty much on the first time when you're going right for the juggler? Yeah, it's. Um, I'll I'll just kind of put it in perspective. When I first started, my average um, for successful collections was about sixty five percent. I've been doing this for over five years with the blood bank, and I'm I'm going to sound very conceited here, but I'm pretty good. Toot your own <laughs> horn. It's okay. I'm pretty good. I mean, sometimes it's just tricky. Sometimes, you know, the vein's like, no, I don't feel like it today. But, um, you know, I never, you know, I don't, I don't torment a dog in any way. None of us do. Like, we're very, and if the dog gets stressed out at all, um, you know, we just, it's, it's not worth it to us to, uh, to stress out an animal for, a, like I said, for a unit of blood. So we're, Sometimes you have we, to abort the whole uh, project you know, yeah. if the dog that's is okay. fussing. That's, that's fine. Lots of treats are involved. Trust me, like all these dogs know me as Auntie Mary. And uh, there's, yeah, um, just give me the treats. I don't even care about you. I just want all these liver treats, please, and thank you. Of course. <laughs> we try to make it as, as positive as possible. Yeah, well, that's good. And so the owners uh, and the dogs receive a little thank you gift of some sort, or the they dog do. does? Yes. Yeah, so, so what happens is, is for every unit that you contribute, that unit is available for you should you ever need it. I mean, God willing that it's you don't. I, we, we never, ever want to wish ill on an animal, but it is there if the animal needs it. Also, every single time the dog donates, um, we run what's called a PCR, and it's uh, it tests for the DNA presence of bacterial flea and tick-borne diseases, and there's about 12 of them that we test for. We also run once per year. It's the 4DX SNAP test. Many of you might be aware of it. It tests for heartworm, Lyme, anaplasma, and auricula. We run that during heartworm season, so from March to June. If your dog donates between that time period, we, we do it then. And we also, they get um, bling. So uh, we have bandanas for milestones. So first time, fifth, tenth, 15th, 20th, and believe it or not, we've had, we have dogs that have reached over 30 donations in our program. So, and then we, wow. it's been great. A lot of the clinics that get involved, um, they've actually reached out to uh, corporate sponsors and they've provided toys and, and that sort of thing to, uh, to our donors at the, these clinics. And of course, every new dog gets a, their own bandana saying that I've donated blood with the Canadian Animal Blood Bank. And they wear it proudly like a cape sometimes. <laughs> awesome. That's great. Uh, let me ask you, when you, when you have the blood and you collect the blood, um, do you store it at a, does it have to be stored at a certain temperature, I imagine? Yes, it does, actually. Yeah, so we do the exact same um, components. It's called component therapy that they do on the human side. We do exactly the same thing on the animal side. So it is taken back to our facility, and we have these big, giant refrigerated centrifuges, and they spin them down at 4,500 RPM. And the red cells are heavier, so they'll go to the bottom, and the plasma will go to the top. 
And the plasma kind of looks like apple juice, believe it or not. And all that gets squeezed off into a different satellite bag. And that gets frozen in a special freezer. And it's good for a year as fresh frozen plasma. And then we uh, will move it to regular plasma after one year. And all that happens there is that the plasma proteins, they go from 100% to 80. They just kind of denate a little bit. Um, so they'll go from 100% to 80, and that's good for an additional five years. We also make a product called cryoprecipitate, and that's for von Wildebrand's disease. So a lot of Doberman pinchers actually have that condition, and it's their blood doesn't clot appropriately. So they're required to, if they get cut or have surgery, they have to get this cryoprecipitate in order for their blood to clot appropriately. And we also make, of course, pack cells, and those are stored anywhere from 2 to 4 degrees in a special fridge, and they're good for only 35 days, which is why we have so many blood donor clinics, because the red cells are what we sell the most of, and they have the quickest turnover. So we ship anywhere from 60 to 80 units a week of blood products. Wow. Mm -hmm. It's pretty crazy. Now, what about uh, your website? And if people want to donate, you obviously would post your your donor clinic dates on the website? Correct. Bear with us with our website. We are in the. We are just getting down to the final stages of the launch of the new website, and it will have links to. Um, I believe they're going through Eventsy, um, but also Facebook is. If if anybody has Facebook, that's the best option. It's uh, Canadian Animal Blood Bank is the Facebook page, and under our events section, we post all of our upcoming clinics nationally there. And I believe if you subscribe to the events section, it will actually alert you when one is posted in your area. Fantastic. Good information. And your Facebook page is the name Canadian Animal Blood Bank? Yep, and it's the same with uh, the website. It'll be CanadianAnimalBloodBank.ca. And we also have Instagram and Twitter, and those are both Dogs Donate. Awesome. Well, listen, Mary, thank you very much for taking time out of your night to tell us all about the Canadian Animal Blood Bank. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having us on. Take care. My pleasure. You have yourself a doggone good night. You too. Bye now. You take care. That was uh, Mary Robinson. She's the uh, donor recruitment director for the Canadian Animal Blood Bank. Uh, Take your dog and uh, donate some blood at the uh, Canadian Animal Blood Bank. Check out their Facebook Page Canadian Animal Blood Bank. That's right. And uh, we're going to be talking about dog parks uh, a little bit after on the program. Uh, I'm sure uh, you people know that it's probably not a good idea to take your dog to a dog park. But even with all the evidence of all the things and reasons why you should not take a dog to a dog park, there's still a lot of people out there that do take their dogs to dog parks even with all the evidence uh, stating how dangerous it really is. So we'll talk about dog parks in a little bit, but right now we're going to be doing a contest. It is your chance to win something. Your chance to win a gift bag from the Bass Pro Shop. That's right, a gift bag with some goodies in it. Not going to say what those goodies are, along with a $25 gift card from the Bass Pro Shop in Niagara-on-the-Lake. I'm a big fan of the Bass Pro Shop. They are a dog-friendly store, super nice staff, and uh, just a great place to go and shop. Everything from clothing to uh, fishing lures and and, uh, barbecue supplies. Lots of really cool dog toys there. A lot of really neat stuff there. 
So uh, here goes the question. Name a breed of dog that was once known to carry a barrel around its neck. That's right. Name a breed of dog that was once known to carry a barrel around its neck. What breed of dog was that? 905-688-2582. That's 905-688-2582. Toll free at 1-877-610-2582. Name a breed of dog that was once known to carry a barrel around its neck. If you get it right, you win the $25 gift card to the Bass Pro Shop along with a gift bag with some goodies in it. All right. So we'll be back with more dog talk right after this short little break. I'm Dave the Dog Man. Stick around. We're on their neck before. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and you yeah. see the barrel too, hey? Yeah. Good, Frank. Well, we're glad you phoned in. and Stay on the line. Our producer will explain how you're going to pick up the prize, okay? Okay, thank you. Hey, my pleasure. No problem. So March 24th at 7 p.m. So as far as what the dogs learn in the training program, the itinerary of exactly what we teach in the course is posted on my website. So for the Dave McMahon's Dog Training Academy website, you need to go to davemcmahon.ca. So that's Dave, M-C-M-A. H-O-N dot C-A. And you can see it right there, the Novice Dog Obedience Course Itinerary, and it'll tell you exactly what we teach on a week-by-week basis throughout the entire 10-week program. Now, keep in mind, you got to stay, too, when you come for training, because I'm training you to train the dog. All right. Also, we have a Facebook page, too. You can explore our Facebook page. It's called Dave McMahon's Dog Training Academy. So go on the Dave McMahon's Dog Training Academy, and the spelling is M-C-M-A-H-O-N, apostrophe S, Dog Training Academy. We've got a lot of little video clips on there to show samples of our training, and we've got a lot of testimonials on there, testimonials from people that have completed my program, and they're telling you what they thought of their experience at my academy. Also, it's come to my attention that I have a pretty good Google score. That's right. There's there's a few hundred people that have left Google reviews on my business, on the Dave McMahon Dog Academy. You could enter that in the search box on Google, and you can read the reviews from people that have completed the uh, obedience classes at my Dog Training Academy. So for more information on my dog obedience classes and my email and phone number and all my contact information, go to the website. The website for the Dave McMahon Dog Training is Dave. McMahon, M-C-M-A-H-O-N dot C-A. Okay? So we're going to do another contest. It's your chance to win a $25 Tim Horton gift card. Compliments of Dave McMahon's Dog Training Academy. Here is the question. Name a breed of dog that is historically associated with fire hydrants, fire departments. What is that symbolic breed of dog uh, that is known to be associated with fire hydrants, fire departments, 
Call now if you want to win $25 Tim Horton gift card. Compliments of Dave McMahon's Dog Training Academy, 905-688-2582. It's 905-688-2582. Once again, name a breed of dog that is historically associated with fire hydrants and fire departments. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll continue with the Dog Talk radio show. I'm Dave McMahon. We'll see you right after this. You were young and your heart was an open book You used to say, live and let live You know you did, you know you did, you know you did But if this ever-changing world in which we live in Makes you give in and cry Say, live Dog Talk with Dave McMahon. News Talk 610 CKTV. Welcome back to Dog Talk, everyone. On 610 CKTV, 905-688-2582. And we're in the midst of the uh, contest, and then we're going to be talking about dog parks in a moment. So, uh, name the breed of dog... Or name the breed of dog that is historically associated with fire hydrants, fire departments. And let's go to Debbie in the Garden City of St. Catharines. Hi, Deb. Hello. How are you? Great. How are you? Deb, are you there? Yep. I'm okay. Doing great. How are you? Oh, I'm good. Thank you, Deb. So, what breed of dog would that be? I mean, I never said the questions would be too difficult, did I? <laughs> Dalmatian. You got it. Congratulations, Debbie. You just won a $25 Tim Horton gift card. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Thanks for calling in and stay on the line because our producer, Greg Campagne, is going to explain how you're going to get your prize. Okay. Perfect. And I love your show. I really appreciate that, Debbie. Thank you so much. Take care. So uh, I'm not a big fan of dog parks. Most of you know that. Uh, There's just too much Russian roulette. Uh, You're just running way too much of a gamble. I'm not prepared to gamble on my dog's health and welfare. And uh, so I wouldn't be caught dead at a dog park with my dogs. Just not a big fan of dog parks. Uh, Coming up in a moment, my guest is a professional dog trainer and an expert court witness in dogs. Uh, She's an expert on dog bite investigation uh, from California. She's also a chief tester for the American Temperament Test Society that evaluates temperament on dogs. Recently, I read an article of hers online and I thought I've got to reach out to her and have her come on as a guest on the Dog Talk Radio Show. So ladies and gentlemen, uh, say hello to my guest, Jill Kessler Miller. Hi, Jill. Good evening. Welcome to Dog Talk. Hey. 
Hi, Dave. How are you? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. How's the weather up there in California? Oh, you don't want to know. It is absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. I mean, I, you don't want to know. <laughs> and I wanted, I wanted to uh, expand on not only is it the Dalmatian, but why is it the Dalmatian? Yes, please tell our listeners that. I'm, I'm going to do it because the Dalmatian is traditionally the dog of the coachman in England. And the Dalmatian ran alongside of the coaches as they were transporting people. And then they would guard the coaches in between uh, their gigs. Now, this goes back to when fire engines were still being pulled by horses. And so the Dalmatian was, again, running with the fire engines that were basically coaches with water. Love it. Love it. Love that. There you go. Love it. Thank I you for... Like to say, thank you for I'm, that. I'm filled with... Yep, I'm filled with useless information. <laughs> that's okay, Jill. A lot of people didn't know that, so that's perfect. <laughs> Listen, you and I seem to share the same uh, opinion as professional dog trainers and uh, dog owners and experts in our industry, and it's come to my attention that you're also not a big fan of dog parks. You know, the way you introduced the topic is absolutely nailed on. Was that an okay segue, Jill? Oh, my gosh, because it is a huge gamble. You could go one day and have your dog meet the sweetest other dog and they frolic for an hour, and you might go another day and somebody walks in with their dog that really loves to fight and your dog is killed, and I've seen those cases. Um, And what I often do point out to people is just what you said. If you go to the dog park, you don't see professional dog trainers, dog people at dog parks. You see people who saw it maybe on TV or their neighbor said, hey, go down to the dog park. But you do not see veterinarians, uh, dog trainers. You do not see professional animal people at dog parks. No, because we know better. Because we know better. Because we know that it is just a mosh pit. (laughs) A mosh pit of disaster. And you know as well as I do, Jill, that it only takes one second for another dog to... Pin your dog down, exert so much dominance, and it really can uh, screw up the psyche of uh, the dog that's being dominated. I think more dogs than not learn from that one instant. And it's, by the way, we are not unsimilar. Human beings, we can have a hundred good experiences, and one bad experience will sour us. And a great example of that would even be a car accident. You get into a car two, three, four times a day. If you get hit once, you will always be a little nervous in a car afterwards. It's just the way our brains work. Yeah, that's right. Jill, can you uh, highlight some of the some of the points that you made in your excellent article on dog parks? Oh, sure. I'd be happy to give it a go, and uh, hopefully you'll remind me of anything that I forget. Yes. First and foremost, it's important to understand that it's up to us, as are the dog owners, to always be controlling our dog's experiences, which means it's controlling their environments, which means when you go to the dog park, you have no control. You have no control over who is coming into that park and what animal or animals. And, in fact, I was just thinking in Los Angeles there is a dog park where dog walkers will show up in vans and disgorge 10, 12, 15 dogs into this dog park. And guess what happens? Dog fights. Dog fights. And so there's no control there. 
your dog only needs one or two experiences of either being bullied or attacked or, quite frankly, being the bully, too, to learn those behaviors. And whether we like it or not, those behaviors work. If those behaviors are never practiced, we don't have a problem. However, once they have been, now you're trying to fix it. And fixing a problem is a lot harder than the dog never having learned it in the first place. Um, my other issue is that we end up asking dogs to do something that is natural for them. If the same people with the same dogs go every day to the same park at the same time, you now have a group of dogs that know each other and become territorial. This is normal behavior. One day somebody new decides to come in and the dogs all are on intruder alert. Most of the time also the owners by now who are friends are not paying attention to their dogs and the new dog gets attacked. Again, this is normal dog behavior, and people seem to be shocked by it. I don't know why, but they are. Again, this is normal. However, the new dog has now just been basically given PTSD from other dogs. So that's a problem. And then one of my other issues is that dog parks are disgusting uh, as far as germs and viruses, funguses, fleas, ticks. Uh, you know, papilloma virus, Giardia, my favorite, one of the worst. Uh, the, the level of disease present at a dog park, I, I think it's kind of like going to a, a child daycare. It's disgusting. I won't go. Yeah. Yeah. I what mean, did I miss? No, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just saying to you, what did I miss? I don't know. I'm not even You know, I don't have the article in front of me, but uh, I, don't I, I, oh, I don't. But I will tell it. I will tell you this. One of the things that I've noticed is that people who go to the dog park in general don't have control over their dogs. Their dogs are not trained. They, their True. dogs cannot be walked on leash. So they go there so that they don't actually have to work at it. Instead of training their dogs and spending quality times with their dogs, bonding with their dogs, working together, they go there instead, and then they just ignore the dog. And so you have dogs that are not well-trained, not under good control, not particularly bonded possibly with their owner, and they're just running amok versus dogs that really are looking to the owner for compliance and working companionship. Uh, this is not a relationship that I really want to be present. That's right. Does that, does that make sense? It makes total yeah. sense. And, and you know as well as I do, when you, when you um, go to a dog park without your dog and you just kind of do some people observation and dog behavior observation, uh, very seldom will you find someone who has a solid recall. You know, as you said, <laughs> Rarely, they, the dogs aren't trained. They, they don't have a solid recall. They can't recall their dog back to them. No, no, they cannot. And that's the other thing, actually, and I'm glad you said that. And part of that is because dogs that go to the dog park on a frequent basis, they tend to have relationships with other dogs. And those relationships become more important than their relationship with their humans. So if I'm out with my friends, it's kind of like a teenager mom, I'm out with my friends, uh, right? That becomes more important than the compliance and the training. And again, I think it's a slippery slope. You don't have good leash, uh, let's say leash manners. You don't have good walking on the leash. You don't have a good recall. So you go to the dog park, but you're still not practicing any good behaviors that you would want in a good canine citizen, let's say. That's right. You know, I always tell my obedience class students that they have to pick their dog's friends very carefully. 
And they've got to make sure that, uh, you know, their friendly dog is paired with other friendly dogs. And even then, sometimes it can go south really quickly. Well, and it, that's a really good point because one of the things that I often remind people is that a friendly puppy is not always a friendly adult. Uh, and there are some breeds that are friendly puppies, but animal aggression or same-sex aggression or dog aggression may be normal in their breed. For instance, a lot of terriers. So because your dog was friendly at six months, don't think it's going to be friendly for the rest of its life. It might hit its adulthood at three years old and not want to tolerate another terrier, for instance. I have a Yorkshire Terrier, Dave. Guess what she doesn't like? She doesn't like white, fluffy female dogs. She doesn't. And she gets Rottweilers. Fine, but every once in a while, a white fluffy terrier, a female, she's like, I don't like you. I have a female terrier. I don't consider it abnormal. By the way, even when we're, my Rottweiler is running off leash for his ball, she's on leash because she's about as trustworthy as a scorpion, right? <laughs> know your dog. Know your dog. That's know right. Know limits are. Right. Right. And so, and, and as I said, expecting childish behavior from an adult, again, is unreasonable and unrealistic. But I do agree with you about having appropriate friends and for your children, too, by the way. People need to build the human-animal bond. They need to do more uh, scent games, search games, oh, yeah. oh, dog yeah. sports, agility. Uh, you know, they need to do more uh, walking and hiking with their dog. And I always say if your dog would rather choose another dog than you, then it's time to really examine your relationship that you have with your dog. I, I completely agree with you, and it's one of several reasons, by the way, that I don't recommend getting two dogs at the same time, because they bond with each other. I don't get my dogs to be with other dogs. I get my dogs to be with me. My dogs are very bonded with me. Yeah, no doubt about it. Jill, I really appreciate you joining us on the Dog Talk oh Radio God. Show. How can our listeners uh, read your article that you wrote on dog parks? It's at my website, Jill Kessler, J-I-L-L-K-E-S-S-L-E-R.com. Go to the blogs and articles. In fact, I have a couple of, of them written and not loaded up yet, and I will get on that, I promise. Fantastic. Thanks, Jill. You have yourself a doggone good night. Thank you. You too, sweetheart. Take Bye-bye. care, Jill. That was Jill Kessler-Miller, professional dog trainer, expert court witness in dog bites. Uh, expert dog bite investigation out of California, chief tester for the American Temperament Test Society, wrote an awesome article on dog parks, and I have to agree with everything she said in that article. So check her out. She's on Facebook, Jill Kessler, K-E-S-S-L-E-R, hyphen Miller. Check out her, Jill Kessler, hyphen miller check out and check out that article she wrote on dog parks we'll take a short break we'll come back with more dog talk right after this i'm dave mcmahon by Niagara Canine Conditioning Center. A child arrived just the other day. He came to the world. 
More Dog Talk with Dave McMahon. News Talk 610 CKTV. While I was away and he was talking for a new it and as it grew. Welcome back to Dog Talk, everyone. Time sure flies and we're having fun. There's no doubt about it. Uh, I wanted to uh, give thanks to our sponsors. I want to recognize our sponsors. Uh, Big thank you to Pet Food Outlet. Located 824 Ontario Road in the city of Welland. That's the pet food outlet. Uh, you've got to get down there. Amazing, amazing place. Super friendly staff. A um, lot of square footage. Tons and tons of inventory. But low, low prices. Bring your dog. Of course, they're dog friendly. Uh, pet food outlet 824 Ontario Road in Welland. And also the Heartland Animal Hospital. Located McLeod Road in Niagara Falls at the Lowe's Plaza. Also, uh, another sponsor of ours is the Main West Animal Hospital located on Broadway Avenue in the Rose City of Welland. And also a big thank you to our sponsor, Niagara Canine Conditioning Center. That's the Niagara Canine Conditioning Center. They have an indoor swimming pool for dogs. They offer therapeutic swimming for dogs and also recreational swimming. They have uh, a complete gym, an indoor exercise gym for your dog. That's right. Niagara Canine Conditioning Center located Bunting Road.